This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.13, you're tuned in to WGNS, your good neighbor station since 1947. On the air and in studio with us this morning is Ed Grimes from the Murfreesboro Rescue Mission. Ed, how are you this morning? Doing great, doing great, Scott. Good to see you, buddy. Well, it has been a crazy 2020 and now going into 2021, it's still, still been a little crazy, I'd say. Oh, I'll tell you what, crazy is not the word for it. You know, and, and crazy is just the norm today. Everybody's going through something, and I'm telling you, uh, just whenever I tell somebody how crazy my day has been, uh, they can top the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you work with homeless in Rutherford County on a regular basis, and one of the things that Murfreesboro Rescue Mission helps with, and I, I guess overseas, would be the shelter, the Coldest Nights Shelter, which is now open every night it is and and of course uh, um, Scott one of the things that's changed this year is that and because of COVID uh, they're open now we're open now every single night all the way up through March the 15th and of course uh, and, and that's a that's a huge deal now prior to now prior to when coldest nights first opened they were only open when the temperature fell below a certain degree what was it 35 no it, it was actually 32 degrees when that temperature hit 32 and dro- and below then that's when we went into action and we opened up uh so we had that uh, temperature driven uh, uh shelter last year whereas this year it's not temperature driven uh it's now every single night starting back in november november the 22nd is when we started and we're going all the way up to march the 15th so that's every night of the week all the way through that so prior to be open being open every single night i i would guess that a lot of homeless had problems trying to figure out well are they going to be open tonight or is it 32 degrees or not because when you're out there on the street sometimes you don't have access to find out what the temperature is well it's really weird because last year i was sort of the grapevine you know I, we sort of i had to keep an eye out for what the temperature was uh whenever it hit 32 that's when i uh, sent out a massive emails I, I think i had about like four different groups that i was sending uh, emails out to and uh this year i haven't had to send out a single email because we've been open every single night and the, and the word is is just hey we're just open we're open all the way up to march the 15th now with covid how are you i guess separating socially distancing those who come to the shelter do they have to wear a mask when they sleep even yes we have a uh, of course we uh, uh use ppe uh, personal protective equipment uh just like everybody else is doing we're wearing the, the staff is wearing a mask uh the guests are wearing masks so you have to have that uh in order to get into the shelter if you're not wearing a mask then you don't come in you know, it's just that simple uh, along with the, the wearing of masks we're also uh having to uh, socially distance so uh, when you come in there's little uh tags on the on the floor uh to, to, to and you have to stand on that tag because that tag puts you six feet apart uh when you go into the sleeping area we have the sleeping areas divided by partitions uh, uh all of this to help uh, you know just reduce transmission and so forth so uh, yeah we're we're practicing that and uh, trying to keep everybody safe because we're trying to keep it going so do they have to wear a mask when they go to sleep no they don't uh, in fact uh, when you're in your sleeping quarters because we do have it partitioned off uh, that's when you can take it off you can take the mask off two times once when you're eating uh, you don't have to eat through your mask 
that'd be a little tough. <laughs> it would. And of course, when you're um, uh, uh, sleeping and when you're in your quarters by yourself, then you can. Now, if you're going to walk, uh, you know, back and forth to say restroom or whatever, then you have to put your mask on. But uh, when you're in your quarters confined by yourself, then you can take it off. Ed Grimes with us this morning talking about the coldest shelter night, and uh, of course that is open all the way up till March 15th this year. Do you plan to do this next year as well to where it's open every night? Well, you know, I was thinking about that. So, uh, and then that's something that we'll have to talk about and, and uh, you know, see, you know, how, you know, where our funding streams are on all that, I guess. Uh, it would be great. It'd be good for the homeless if we could. Um, and I think you know, this year, it, it, I'll be honest with you, it just really, the whole thing kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it has worked out really, really well. We've got a great crop of uh, men and women uh, down there working with us, uh, alongside us, and uh, you know, helping us keep this thing going, keeping people safe at night and all that. And so uh, it's, it's been fantastic. Now, there is a men's shelter, also a women's shelter open. And the men's shelter is at First Baptist in downtown Murfreesboro on East Main. Uh, where is the women's shelter? That, too, on East Main or off of East Main, right? Uh, yes, th- that's over there off of College Street. I, I want to say 200 College Street. Uh, it's every now and then I kind of get that mixed up. But uh, it's um, uh, it runs it re- basically it's a stone's throw from the men's shelter. So uh, it's about another block uh, 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 away, from, away, from, away from where the men, men are located at. Is that St. Paul's Episcopal Saint, Church? St. Paul's. But there, if, in fact, uh, Scott, there are, there's five <laughs> major partners in all of this. Of course, uh, there's the Journey Home. Uh, Murfreesboro Coal Patrol, and then there's Murfreesboro Rescue Mission. Uh, we uh, are involved in different ways in running that 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 operation, that program. But um, also St. Paul's Episcopal, uh, that's where the women are, are staying, and they're a big player in all of this and, and keeping helping keeping the women safe and warm and all that. Then First Baptist Church, of course, uh, historically has always done the men. How many men and women are actually staying at the shelter each night? Oh, wow. Uh, we've had this year uh, 129, no, I'm sorry, 181 different guests so wow. far this year. Uh, and, of course, 129 of that was, 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 was single men, and 52 of that was different women staying at different times. Uh, and and I, I, just, I just want to sort of put this whole thing in perspective for you. Uh, last year, or typically when we're temperature-driven, uh, we're averaging somewhere around eight to 900 for the whole entire season. We were, uh, I, I want to say about 45 days into this, 45 days, already at 1,700 individual nightly stays. Wow. Uh, and so we still got about 45 more days to go. So how do you go about providing food for that many people every single night? And also, how do you plan ahead? Because some nights you may not have as many guests. Yeah. You know, God just has a way of looking out for you, for you sometimes, you know. <laughs> but uh, fortunately, we had an incredible network of people, people behind the scenes that you'll never hear their names, you never see their faces. But they have been helping provide the meals at night. Uh, First Baptist is a huge uh, part of all that. And, of course, uh, Brittany died to oversees the, the meals and planning and all that and she's just fantastic just phenomenal at putting those groups together and making sure that we have have that and of course uh, on, on my end of course uh, I, I take care of the laundry <laughs> I'm the quartermaster down there so to speak so uh, that's, that's every single week uh, we, we, we take those those linens and we wash them and make sure they have clean linens every every night and of course volunteers are a big part of all this now of course we don't have quite the um, 
the uh, what, what would we say the, uh, um, the the contact with with volunteers versus guests that we have had in the past. So a lot we're, we're, we're certainly limiting that contact. But um, and of course, uh, anybody who wants to to, to to do a meal can go go through Brittany Dye, and anybody that wants to fold some sheets and blankets and all that kind of stuff, they can come see me. <laughs> so, what is the best way to? I guess go about volunteering to help out with meals or any other way. Well, then give me a call. Uh, give me a call at six one five six zero five one seven zero five. Just and, and just uh, either either call or text either way, whichever you have time for, and just say what you're interested in, and I'll get back with you and put you in, a, in, in contact with the appropriate folks and let you know what the appropriate times are. All right, I'm going to write that number down. That way, folks can if they call the station, they can call and get it. What what is the number one more time? Yes, six one five. Six zero five one seven zero five, and there are different things that folks can volunteer for. Obviously, meals being one of the big things. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. And that would be something I guess a whole group could volunteer for. It may be a church small group or something could volunteer to to provide meals one night. Do they also serve the meals if they make the meals? Last year and years in years past, we now they only, not only made the meals, but they also served the meals. Sometimes they would come down and make the meals right there on site. Uh, this year we're doing it just a little bit different. We're limiting contact. So we're using styrofoam containers and, and we're uh, preparing the meals and, and so forth. And and, uh, and sometimes it's not, I think it's um, uh, it's not styrofoam, but there's another uh, thing that we've got that uh, you can, where you can, can uh, heat the food and keep it warm and, and not burn up the, the meal at the same time. <laughs> but uh, th- they've got a fantastic little system down there where they can keep meals warm. Ed Grimes with Murphy's Bro Rescue Mission on the air with us talking about the Coldest Nights program, which is a local program open up until March 15th for those who are homeless. That way they don't have to be outside in the rain, the snow, or any of the cold weather that we've been seeing kind of on and off over the past few months. So is there, I guess, an average situation that you are seeing of those who stay there at the Coldest Nights program? I mean, is there an, you know, like a, like most of them are homeless because of fill in the blank typically we're seeing that uh, of course 30 to 40 year old range of, of homeless you know uh, and there's no of course you no know, uh, and this is the way I was when I first started I thought you know, homelessness was a one-size-fits-all you know they're all there because of this you know and, and you can fill in the blank and say well maybe they just don't work they're just lazy or they're just this or that or whatever but it's not uh, everybody has an end of has their own story there's a reason why they're there there's what led up to them becoming homeless. Uh, we're starting to see, of course, um, a, a lot of single men, uh, of course, naturally. Uh, but a lot plays into that. Sometimes, Scott, it's it's mental illness that's just driving that. Uh, other times, it's uh, uh, guys are, are it's substance abuse, you know, whether it's a uh, form of drugs or alcohol or whatever, uh, and they're addicted and they're trapped and they can't get out. Uh, and then also, uh, it's been proven, Scott, that the longer you stay out there on the streets, uh, the harder and the tougher it is to, to actually get back off. Get you know, off. from all that I've read and seen, it looks like mental illness is a huge factor in homelessness. And then so many of those who have mental illness, it's almost as if they are treating that problem with alcohol or drugs, not really knowing why they're drinking, perhaps in some cases. They just do it because they think it offsets the way they feel. Well, you hit the nail on the head, and I know you've 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 been involved, and you've got some knowledge of that as well. Uh, I believe it was HUD that that uh, put out about forty five percent 
uh, of homelessness has some degree of mental illness. You know, a lot, sometimes it's just a light degree, not, not anything real serious. But 25% of that number, it's serious mental illness. And so, yes, there is mental illness driving a lot of this and trapping and keeping people locked into homelessness. Um, yes, self-medication is, is what we call it. Uh, yeah, they're substituting uh, drugs or alcohol, something to alter their states, make them feel different, to try to make them feel better. And a lot of times, Scott, they don't really know. They don't really realize that there's different types of help uh, that they can get that's, that's not going to be habit-forming and all that. So, yeah. and, and when you hear statistics like that, you know, 45% suffering from some type of mental illness, that number could actually be a lot higher because I'm sure those statistics are gathered from different shelters around the country mm-hmm. where they ask the question, you know, do you suffer from some type of mental illness? And I'm sure a lot of people, they don't know it's undiagnosed mm-hmm. or they don't want to tell. Exactly. You know, and, and of course, uh, there's a lot of unre- unreported cases of mental illness out there. And so, uh, you know, that number could be anywhere from 50 to 60. Now, I've, I've heard different numbers all throughout the years. And, and we all believe that that number is higher because we, we are in the population all the time and we're constantly working with them. But, but yes, I, I agree with you. That number is probably higher than, than what I just quoted. You know, it, it's so interesting to... Dive into that world of trying to figure out, you know, what makes somebody tick? What made this person do this or that? But the problem is, it's a, it's a very hard thing to study and figure out. It really is. Uh, and of course, now the key to all this, of course, is relationship. You know, it's, you know, everybody has a story. But, you know, a lot of them are willing, when you get to know them, they're willing to share their story and tell you, you know, this is how, what happened to me. This is how I, I got here. This is what's going on. And the key to really finding out how to get people back on track, how to get the help, that, get them the help that they need, is finding out just what that story is, just how they got to where they are, and then uh, putting them on track to the resources that can really, really help uh, them reach their potential. And, you know, for people who volunteer to help out with homeless I, I would encourage them if somebody does start talking to them about some of their issues their problems their past you know let them open up because that's therapeutic for them the more they're able to talk about it get it out whatever it may be maybe it was a, a life where a parent abused them as a child or locked them in a closet as a child I mean it could be any of that but it's therapeutic for them to talk and get it out it really is you know uh, and, and of course a lot of times, uh, Scott, we fear what we don't know. And a lot of times what we don't know is that the person that's out there that's on the streets is homeless. That's somebody's brother. That's somebody's sister, mom, dad, cousin, uh, auntie, uncle. Uh, I mean, they're not you know, just mysteriously popping up on the streets and coming out, out of nowhere. Uh, they have uh, or had a family. Uh, they live the kind of life that you and I live. Uh, or they, you know, they, 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 they went to work every day. They took baths every day. They, uh, you know, I mean, they just live a normal life. But one by one, something happens. Sometimes it's something as simple as, man, I lost my job. I lost my place to stay and now I'm new to homelessness. It's something that simple. Other times, it's something a little more complex. You know, maybe it's a, a, a systemic abuse of, of some type. Uh, maybe it's a, a, a situation where, uh, you know, they made more, just a, kept making bad decisions, and now it's compounded into homelessness. Uh, some are homelessness for, homeless for the first time. Others are chronically homeless, uh, entering into different episodes of it. But, yeah, there's a, just, a, just a, an array of things going on out there. You know, the way problems can really compound in a matter of months and then even more so over years, 
is really crazy once you break it down and hear some of the stories because it could start with you know losing a job then you lose you know an apartment or even a house then you have this debt that you know you won't be able to pay back for years if ever right and you know uh, it's, it's weird because you think to yourself this could never happen to me or i won't allow this to happen to me uh, et cetera, et cetera. but man i have seen scott i've seen doctors i've seen nurses i've seen lawyers i've seen preachers i've seen preachers kids uh you name it i've seen it uh it, it doesn't it, it doesn't uh, respect skin color it doesn't respect age uh it doesn't respect anything uh you know homelessness can happen to anybody at any time and just when you think you're safe you know uh, I mean something in your life could change and you're right sometimes it's just one thing had a good uh, preacher friend uh, years ago uh, who worked in homelessness with me in Nashville and he said to me one day he said uh, you know Ed I, I, I got a traffic ticket you know and he was a little bit embarrassed by it you know and he said and then I, I, I ended up getting another one he said and then, and then he was really embarrassed by it but he said Ed you know I, I started thinking it only takes you know, a few more wrong decisions like this for my life to get really flipped upside down. And people don't realize it can happen to you. This COVID-19 situation, I'll be honest with you, we don't know yet how many people as a result of, of going through this uh, are going to be affected and impacted by it. You know, I, I read an interesting article a couple of years back, and it was talking about this woman who was living in a motel. And, Ed, you, you know, these motels, when you live in them and you pay weekly, it adds up to 1200 to $1,500 a month, which is more than some house payments are. But this woman was living in a hotel paying around $1,200 a month. Next thing you know, her car gets towed because mm -hmm. she parked in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. Well, she did not have the $250 mm -hmm. fee in order to get the car out of impound. And so pretty soon she lost her job because she couldn't get to work. And then after that, she lost the hotel room because she couldn't pay it anymore. And that's how quickly things happen if you're already living paycheck to paycheck and you're right there on the line of, you know, this could go bad really quickly. You know, you're exactly right. And I see it all the time, you know, and I hear those stories all the time. Man, yeah, I, I just needed this. I just needed that. If I could only have this, if I, if, I, if I could only get this taken care of. And so many out there who are homeless who really don't want to be in that position, they're living on the edge. And sometimes, it, and I've heard, I've heard just the opposite stories too, Scott, where someone who uh, listened to the story, took time, uh, and had compassion and was able to maybe work through them, maybe through themselves or through their church uh help people get back on their feet and and it was just and then there's those stories of man how uh i was almost there i was almost there i was almost there you've heard them uh, over and over again uh yeah sometimes it just takes just a little bit and that's one of the things that excites me about uh, being involved in working with homelessness is that we we want to catch a lot of those people who are on the edge who are on the verge and just need a little help and, and you know you were talking about the pastor you know who got the speeding ticket something as small as one speeding ticket and let's say the fine is two hundred dollars yeah. something as small as that can really flip somebody's life upside down very quickly if they already are living right there at that line where they don't have enough money to really make it 
make the ends meet as it is. You know, every day, and I don't know what the, the stats are on that, but every day people are facing that very issue where they're, they're, they're meeting up with their one uh, straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, situations where they're having to face, they're now facing homelessness as a result of uh, something that happened in their life. Sometimes, you know, Scott, it's something that they did. Sometimes it's a, a decision that they made. And then sometimes it's not. It's, it's out of their control, you know. Uh, it's something going on greater at, at, at work. Than, than, than just that. Chronic homelessness is really a revolving door issue because, you know, somebody is able to get enough money saved up to move into an apartment, then they, a lot of them end up losing the apartment with that first job loss that they may face, and then they're back in the same situation, or it could be at the motel. You know, they're paying that $1,200 a month to stay in the motel, but they're not able to save any money on the side in order to save for a deposit for a real apartment because they don't have the extra funds at all. And so that revolving door equals them either staying in a motel for years and years or going from motel to homeless to motel to homeless. You're, you're exactly right. And that's where a lot I, I recommend, <coughs> excuse me, that's where I recommend a program, oftentimes a program of some type will to help monitor, uh, to come alongside with counseling and, and all that. Uh, because a lot of times, you know, people want to do it and they want to do it on their own, but a lot of times people don't really understand what it really takes uh, to escape. I, I call it escape velocity. You got to have escape velocity in order to get out of homelessness. Uh, and a lot of people, they, they work and they'll get that. Uh, that first and last month's rent or that deposit, just whatever it takes to get in. But you're right. They get into an apartment and they can't even cut the light. I've seen situations where they couldn't even cut the lights on, uh, couldn't get the water going, uh, and had nothing to eat. So you've got to have uh, enough money saved up. And a lot, that, a lot of that happens through a, through a good, solid program uh, where someone is helping, monitor, watching, encouraging, coaching, saying, okay, now, now make your move. Make your move now. Not, not right now. Now, I've heard of stories where apartment landlords have actually kicked tenants out because they didn't they weren't able to turn on the electricity uh, and, and keep it on and that's an issue I guess for the apartment complex because it leads to you know not keeping a place clean I mean something as as little as electricity can lead to not being able to vacuum the floor keep the refrigerator on I mean it, it does equal some big problems it does and, and it's a, a there's a business side to all of that and of course uh, uh, that that's one of the things that that you're, you're right you know and, and you have to respect those business owners those uh, renters uh, because they have a, there's a side of the story for them and they've got to keep the lights on you're right they got to keep things going uh, they've got to to operate within certain standards and and when you get out there you got to be able to, 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 to roll with it yeah Ed Grimes <clears throat> with us this morning we're going to take a short break but when we come back. I'm curious as to how COVID-19 has impacted the homeless community and have you seen a lot who are homeless suffer from COVID-19? So we'll talk about that when we come back. Time right now, 835, a check on the weather and the traffic comes your way during this break. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. I'm always one of those that goes on and off diets. One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. And you know, Demas is one of the things that I started doing because of my own eating habits is, is we have a low calorie menu and a low carb menu. So depending on whatever diet that you like, we have options for you that are available at Demas's. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. Hi, this is Dan with Music World and Drummer's Den. I'm the guitar tech here. I do setups and repairs. The setup is where you make your guitar play as well as it ever will, whether you're a professional or a beginner. 
you need this done at least a couple of times a year to get the most out of your instrument. We also have lessons, $25 for a half hour of keys, anything with strings and drums. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Rapid COVID testing now in Murfreesboro. Do you need a rapid COVID test? Low T Center in Murfreesboro now has drive through rapid COVID testing on Mondays, all day, 8.30 until 5.30, every Monday through February 22nd. No appointments necessary, and it's only $60, with the results back in less than 30 minutes. COVID testing is available for all adults, men, and women 18 and older. Low T Center, near the Avenue at 2855 Medical Center Parkway, across the street from Rooms to Go. See you Monday at Low T Center. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. It is important that we honor our American veterans every day. That's why Family Staffing Solutions takes great pride in saluting our local veterans here in Rutherford County. Veterans, we thank you and your story matters to us. Family Staffing Solutions, stay independent at home and in charge. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who fought in the Vietnam War. I was assigned to MACV, Advisor Team 71, out of SOC train down in the Delta. Veteran Keith Rudliff of the U.S. Army. I've been back out of Vietnam since 1971, and I have two close friends. One uh, passed away from cancer, and the other one lives in northern Michigan. Those are the only two that I let get real close to me. Other than that, I just stay away. You know, I've got a label. People don't like the label, but I'm sorry. I'm proud of what I did. I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Keith Redluff served in the U.S. Army. He was in Vietnam. 30 years later, they say, oh, well, you guys have got PTSD. And when we came back, nobody knew about it. I mean, it was the same thing as uh, shell shock. You just went on with your life. Veteran Keith Rudliff, U.S. Army. At night, sat on the couch in the dark. I'm very comfortable in the dark. And I see images going through the house. I'll hear a sound. I'll get up and I'll check all the windows and doors. Nine times out of ten, it's nothing. I know where it's at, but it's still there. After all these years, it's still there. Veteran Keith Rudliff of the U.S. Army. He was in Vietnam. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. If you know a veteran you'd like to highlight, let WGNS know and we'll honor them in our daily salute to veterans. Have you experienced the nightmare of water, mold, or fire damage? Call Restoration One for a free estimate. Veteran and locally owned, fast and available 24-7. Restoration One offers preventative maintenance so that you never have to experience a loss like this again. Restoration One, the water damage experts. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's Place to Talk. News time right now, 8.38. You're tuned in to WGNS. Ed Grimes from the Murfreesboro Rescue Mission on the air with us talking about the homeless situation in Rutherford County and more. Our phone lines are open. You can call or text us 615-893-1450. If you have a question related to homelessness, again, call 615-893-1450 or text us and we'll get you on the air this morning. Again, Ed Grimes in studio with us this morning. So, Ed, we were talking before the break there about homeless who have COVID-19. How has that impacted them, and have there been a lot here locally where they've been homeless and had COVID-19? 
I don't know the exact number on who's had what, uh, but I can tell you this. Uh, you know, the uh, all the safety precautions that we put into place at the shelter, uh, I mean, they're the, apparently they're working uh, because, you know, of course, and we screen everybody every single night as they're coming through for meals. We take temperatures and we ask the questions regarding, uh, of course, COVID, according to COVID protocols, to check to see just to make sure that, and if somebody does have uh, symptoms or has been around somebody uh, that has had the, COVID-19, then we have a little uh, roped off area, so to speak, where we can petition them uh, until we can get them them checked out. But as of right now, uh, we're not seeing a big, huge increase in uh, in sickness or symptoms and all that. So they are able to stay the night. They're just somewhat in isolation, I guess, because of their diagnosis or their, you know, possible diagnosis of COVID. Exactly. And, And as far as testing goes for COVID-19, I would assume that a lot of the homeless are going to the health department to get tested and to get medication they may need, all of that stuff. Yes, just like anybody else, uh, just like me and you, if we were to come down with symptoms or whatever, uh, they go through the same protocols where they have to be cleared by medical professionals in order to stay with us. Now, locally, I've not heard a whole lot about the homeless population suffering from large COVID-19 numbers, uh, which is a good thing. And, you know, when you think about it, I guess a lot of them are not mixing with the regular population as far as going into work every day, being around numerous others. In fact, a lot of the homeless, they kind of stay to themselves or there's they stay in the same groups uh, absolutely and in some cases uh you know a lot of them just have very strong immune systems as well you know and i uh, uh that's what i've run into a lot uh, of as well now we were talking <coughs> a little bit before the break as well about how those who are homeless somewhat live in a revolving door of you know maybe they're out of homeless homelessness for a short time then they're back in it we're talking about how they're not able to pay for an apartment or save up the money for that deposit and first month's rent but there are different programs out there, different grants available as well to help homeless with paying for a deposit and that first month's rent. Yeah, and and uh, of course, uh, you know those people that are, are homeless, uh, and of course, uh, I, I sort of divide it up into those that are homeless uh, and the chronically homeless and so forth, and then those that are on the verge, maybe for the very first time. And of course, uh, uh, there's organizations out there who deal with more with on the preventive side of homelessness, and of course, uh, right right off the bat, uh, you know, the Journey Home they work a lot a lot with that. In fact, we had a lady uh, come to us last night that. Uh, you know, lost her place to stay, and so uh, we got her into a hotel for the night. And of course, this morning, very, you know, she's headed over there to to, to get help. Uh, and then sometimes, uh, 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 working heavily on that side, of course, is, is Greenhouse Ministries, uh, helping people uh, to maintain and stay in in, in, their, in their place place to stay. So there are organizations out there that are dedicated to to doing pre- the preventive side of it. You know, the preventive side of it is extremely important. Because if we don't have nonprofits working on that side of the fence, then it's going to lead to an even bigger issue. Exactly. And because we don't really think about that a lot. Uh, but, you know, there are people, and, and we talked about it just a minute ago, who are uh, one payment away, one uh, paycheck away from being homeless. And, of course, uh, you know, they're, they're that safety net out there. And we need those folks. Because if not, you're right, uh, we'd be looking at a much, much larger number. Now, sadly, you know, you have all age groups who – are homeless or potentially homeless and and sadly some of those who are homeless are 65 plus 
They are, and we're seeing that all the time. Uh, you know, of course, not a lot of them, but you know, they're out there and they're coming in in, in, in numbers. Not not only are they uh, sixty plus uh, out there uh, who are homeless, but you know, we're seeing also a lot of associated health issues that come along with being in, in that age range. You know, um, many of them struggling to walk and to get around, and and some of them mentally declining, physically declining, and all that. And so we're seeing all those out there. You know, something I have seen in the past and this happens all the time but you may have a a son or a daughter who is mentally challenged in some way they're handicapped and they may have been living with mom or dad for their entire life and and then let's say the father passes away and that child loses their home and I say child but sometimes the child's 50 years old at this point but when that parent passes away they have to move out because that home may not be paid off. It, you know, bank may foreclose on it. But there are situations where those who are handicapped become homeless because of losing a parent. Uh, Scott, I get those phone calls on a regular basis, you know, and, and uh, you know, of course, at that point, you know, uh, mom or dad, and, and you're right. <coughs> Sorry. Um, you know, a lot of times when, you know, mom and dad is getting to the place where they just simply can't do it anymore or they've lost uh, one, one, of, one of those parents are gone. Uh, what do I do? You know, I mean, he won't, uh, you know, he's not got in the habit of working. He's not got in the habit of contributing to the household. <clears throat> he's not got in the habit of contributing to the household and things like that. And so he doesn't have those basic living skills that it takes uh, to survive. He doesn't pay bills uh, or she doesn't pay bills or whatever. And, and that is a, is, a, is a population of people that are just, it's just ongoing. You know, the the homeless situation all over the country is extremely similar, but I know that maybe there's some small differences in the South versus, uh, you know, in the West, but basically it's all quite similar from, I don't know, Florida all the way to California. There's so many similarities with it state by state, almost identical in most cases, but there are differences. Here in Tennessee, what do you think sets off or, or makes the homeless population a little different than, let's say, in California? Well, of course, you know, uh, that's a good, good question. But, of course, you're right. There are similarities playing out all over, of course, education being one of them or the lack of education, the lack of availability of jobs, uh, the economy. All those things are certainly playing into it. Uh, uh, let's say Nashville, I mean, Nashville, Murfreesboro area versus the L.A. area. Uh, of course, the cost of living is, is huge. I mean, out there in L.A., I mean, the cost of living is just incredible. Uh, you've got people that have jobs, uh, but they're living on the streets because that's all they can afford to they can afford, you know. Uh, whereas you don't quite have that here. Now, interestingly enough, you know, uh, we're not seeing uh, L.A. numbers or, or California-like homelessness where they're lined up on Skid Row or lined up on Broad Street and all that kind of stuff. But we're not seeing that. And I'll say this, we're not seeing that yet. Okay? Uh, but without a dedicated place, and of course we're getting to that place where we've got to have a dedicated shelter to helping people get into the shelter and make a fast turnaround to get them back out on their feet. If not, that's going to contribute and drive those, those numbers up. You know, you go somewhere, even like San Francisco in California, mm-hmm. you go to the downtown areas and you'll literally see tents on downtown streets. You know, tent after tent in some areas, in places like San Francisco, L.A., and and so forth. You don't see that here in Tennessee, and I I don't know that we'll ever really see that in Tennessee. Hopefully not. But it's so 
it is different in the way they may live in another state versus how they live in Tennessee. It is, and of course, uh, you know, of course, we'll, we'll, here you'll see uh, more of a rural type tent city. Uh, it's out of the way. It's it's under the bridge. It's uh, in the woods. Uh, that type of scenario. It's not really in your face like it is in some major cities across across the country. And so, fortunately, we don't see that. You know, and and our economy is a little bit better. Our cost of living is a little bit better. Uh, educational opportunities are better. So we're uh, we're really blessed in those regards that we're not seeing that type of homeless, that in-your-face type homelessness, uh, but I'm telling you, if we don't do something and start addressing the issue, the numbers will go up. Ed Grimes with us this morning with the Murfreesboro Rescue Mission. Now, Ed, I know years back you had really pushed for a new permanent shelter here in Murfreesboro. Is that something you're still uh, going for? Uh, I tell you, Scott, it's, it is my ongoing dream battle. And of course, uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, people get into homelessness for different reasons and helping out the homeless. Uh, for me, it's a calling. You know, I mean, this is what the Lord has put on my heart to do uh, here in the city of Murfreesboro. And that's where, I, I mean, of course, that's not something you walk away from. Uh, if this is what God wants me to do, this is what I'm going to do and, 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 and or die trying. And so we're actually getting closer toward that. And so we made some some, some progress last year. We've identified some property, and we were able to put some earnest money down. Uh, so we don't quite have it all, you know, purchased like we want just yet. We will, if there's two acres we're looking at, and of course uh, we'll actually be able to build uh, a new facility on on one acre because one acre is, a, is an empty lot. And of course we're looking to get this done, Lord willing, within the next two years. I know if you build a, sh- a homeless shelter and you use federal funds or grants of some kind, even state grants, you have to follow all of their rules and guidelines. Is that something you're going to be doing? Are you looking for federal grant money in order to help with this? We're uh, actually a Christian-based organization, uh, and of course there's nothing wrong. I have organizations that we partner with, work with. They use the uh, state and federal uh, funded grants, and boy, I tell you what, I have I do not begrudge that at all. If you can get it, get it. If you want it, go after it. Uh, that I, I do not have a problem with that. Uh, you know we have not gone with that, and for for different reasons. Uh, but uh, uh, boy, I tell you what. And, and as far as I'm concerned, if we're not getting it, the more the merrier for somebody else. <laughs> more opportunities for others. But um, uh, but yeah, that's not something that we've gone after. Uh, but uh, yeah, others are. What would some of your goals be? You know, once this shelter is built, what what is the main purpose other than housing or shelter for the night? What is the main purpose going to be or focus? The main purpose is we want to be able to have a platform where people can come get hope and healing. Uh, because uh, you know, being out there on the streets, it it it, it changes you. You know, uh, you're a different person. Uh, Scott, they don't make the same decisions that you and I make. Uh, last night when you lay down to sleep, you weren't worried about where you going to sleep when you got this morning to eat you weren't worried about where you're going to what you're going to eat or if you could eat uh you weren't worried about you know uh and some of those day-to-day necessities that we just take for granted like taking a bath and and uh, uh they don't take that for granted i mean that that's something that's a daily daily thing what we want to do is we want to be able to take those those daily concerns and struggles off of them so that they can begin focusing on uh, the kind of things that you and I are focusing on and, and they can focus on, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, going to work, you know, uh, saving money, you know, uh, you know, and, and being able to walk into a job and know that, hey, they look and feel just like everybody else that's there on the job, getting them back to some normalcy in life. 
that's one of our major goals. Of course, of course uh, being a Christian organization, we desire to, to be able to uh, expose people to the gospel and to share the love of Jesus with them uh, and so forth. And so uh, we believe that real, true, lasting change comes from the inside, not from the outside. Uh, you can dress a man up and make him look good all you want, but boy, I tell you what, if he's empty on the inside, then he's, he's, he's walking back out with the same problem that he walked in with, and he just looks a little bit better. For years, there have has really been a push, uh, I guess, among the nonprofits to put together a community and maybe a campus of different nonprofits all in the same location in order to better help serve those who are struggling, who are close to homelessness, or who are already homeless. But there was a, a real push to put together a campus with all these services in one place. Is that something that is still being pursued. Yes, uh, I think HVARC is really uh, looking to do something on that order. Uh, it's a very expensive thing to do, um, but uh, we're it, it just sort of piece by piece, we're trying to get it all figured out, so to speak. Uh, and there will be, uh, the beauty of it is, is that there will be organizations that uh, maybe are in that federal funding stream that can get into that. There will be uh, organizations that maybe don't participate in those uh, federal funding streams that will be into that. Uh, but uh, the, I think the beauty of having a campus, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be incredible having all those organizations centrally located where we can, uh, we can address all those issues of homelessness and, and not have to worry about all, uh, going all the way across town just, just to do that. Uh, I think that's a great idea. But uh, how it actually comes together uh, may not be the way that uh, we originally thought, whereas we could just get this huge piece of property and put everybody on one location. Maybe it's just having everybody just, just close by. Right now in Rutherford County, in Murfreesboro specifically, we only have one shelter for those who are homeless that is full-time, that is a, an operational full-time shelter, and that would be the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. But their program is a little different than what you may want to put together because their program, it, well, it's a nationwide Salvation Army program, mm -hmm. and it's not your typical, you know, hey, this is just for coming to stay the night and then, you know, leaving tomorrow. Uh, so that's all we have, though, right now in Rutherford County, right? Right now, that's all we have. Uh, of course, we've had some other shelters, uh, you know, throughout the years, and, and uh, they, for, for one reason or another, are not uh, no longer in business. Uh, but our goal is to have that low barrier uh, out from under the bridge, out of the out of the woods, in a tent, uh, off the streets, where you can just come in and, and uh, on a daily basis. And of course, uh, I, I want to just just clarify: we're not looking to warehouse homeless uh, okay uh just have them there and just have that place to stay and and let that become let them become institutionalized by coming to this shelter every day we want to have uh like i say offer help hope and healing and the way you do that is through having programs and and processes and and getting other people involved other organizations involved uh to help uh, move people uh through a track so to speak in other words they would come stay there for maybe two weeks, even at a time, three weeks, months even, I guess, mm -hmm. until they're able to move to that next step where they may have a job, where they may have the proper medication they need in order to treat that mental illness or to where they're able to go to rehab. You, you want to be able to push them forward as opposed to just letting them kind of remain stagnant. Man, you said it better than I could. And, I, and see, I don't like that, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, but yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, there's so you know what we want to do is we want to uh, have a place where we can we can bring them in, and just first meet those basic daily needs. You're right, food, clothing, shelter. Then we want to be able to evaluate evaluate what is it gonna take for this individual to get back on their feet. You're right, and that might be a different, if you and I enter the shelter together, your track might be a different track from my track. And so the the, the question is, what's it gonna take for you to get on track and get out of homelessness? What's it gonna take for me to get on track and get out of homelessness? And so we wanna have a place where we can address individual, those needs individually as well. Again, Ed Grimes with us this morning with the Murfreesboro Rescue Mission, talking about homeless in Rutherford County and, uh, you know, some of the problems that go along with homelessness. You sometimes hear stories about how maybe somebody in a small rural Tennessee community, their family can no longer take care of them because of mental illness or addiction, and they literally drive that family member to Murfreesboro or to Nashville or some other nearby bigger city, drop them off, and leave. Does that kind of stuff really happen? Over and over and over again. It, it's ha- it's, it'll, it'll, it'll happen sometime this week, I guarantee you. It'll happen here. It'll happen nationally. It'll happen all over the United States. Uh, that's just a, an ongoing problem. That And, I, and, and boy, I, there just, there's just no end to that or, or, or wait, no one set way to solve that. But, yeah, that's going to play out. That's going to continue to play out. That, uh, you know, the Bible says the homeless you have always am- among you, you know. And so, uh, you know, that's a part of that, that process, yeah. It's almost like education plays a huge role in those situations or that scenario because I can see in some rural community where the entire family lacks an education to even understand the basic fundamentals of mental illness, and they don't know what to do with it. So literally, it's sad to say, but they treat that family member as just a, a puppy. They, they're just going to throw out on the street almost because you hear stories about people dropping off animals out in the country. Well, this is the same thing, but worse. You know, you're exactly right. And, of course, uh, and a lot of times we see what we choose to see, when it, especially when it comes to homelessness. Uh, and we'll walk, walk, walk past a homeless person and we'll never acknowledge them. We'll never say anything to them. We'll never address them or, or whatever. And uh, some of it's out of fear. Some of it's legitimate. Some of it's not. But uh, to us, they become invisible, you know. And when the problem becomes invisible, uh, as far as you're concerned, there is no problem and it doesn't need to be addressed. But the way to start helping people, the way to help people get back on their feet is you got to acknowledge them. And, and Scott, I'll be honest with you, uh, I was working in homeless for, homelessness for years and I was doing the very thing that I, that I was talking I was walking past some of our homeless people in the name of being busy, in the name of trying to help them, but not acknowledging them, the person, you know. And so we've got to acknowledge the person. We've got to address the issues. We are out of time. Ed Grimes with us this morning from the Murfreesboro Rescue Mission. And uh, we appreciate you joining us today. And as we close out again, the uh, coldest night shelter at First Baptist and then also at St. Paul's Episcopal Church will remain open until March 15th. Ed, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, so glad that you had us this morning and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Time right now again, 8.59. Stay with us. Local news and news from CBS Radio comes your way next. The Action Line, 
on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. 